Usually, again, we always start with just me and PJ, but whenever Ryan Warmly is on the pod, we just start with the three box here and get right going to it. Episode 66 with PJ Glasser and Ryan Warmly. I'm Joe Mal. But Worm, it's good to have you back. It's been a little bit uh, since the last time you've been on. Luca came out. Have you added that into your Pixar list somewhere yet? I have not. I've learned the more that I've worked in fantasy football that basically August through December movies are kind of off the table for me. That's an excuse and a terrible one because that movie came out, I believe, in June. So I'm not buying it. But uh, we talked more recently than that, I thought, maybe. Or am I misremembering the last time we spoke? Uh, It was episode... It was episode 55 because it was the Terrell Suggs episode. Oh, so whenever, right whenever that one was. We know what? That makes it even worse than that you still haven't seen Luke because you probably <laughs> mentioned it then and you still That's haven't fair. seen it now. So That's not fair. good. I, not I guess the, the excuse plays better for like the recent Marvel movies that I haven't seen. But, I've got my but, tickets to Eternals at 930 Thursday night, which is during the second half of Jets Colts, which tells you yes. how much I am into that game. And also before wow. we get into anything else, a tip of the cap to PJ. Thank you, Joe. That's when um teams were 0 and 59 this season 0 and 59 when trailing by double digits in the final six minutes of a game we just needed the one of all teams the new york (laughs) jets against the number one seed Bengals. get it done were the ravens deserved to win that game were were the ravens not trailing by 10 in that time frame against the colts on monday night football they had already cut it down the single yep they had cut it down to eight and then got the two-point conversion on the last touchdown i believe i I was at that game it was awesome yeah you you were you stayed in the whole thing unlike pj who left the ravens lions (laughs) game early (laughs) pj missed the only good 10 seconds of that game that's true that's the only good 10 seconds of the lions season at the moment (laughs) too so uh we got a lot of ground to cover it's always nice when you're on because we don't have a set rundown we just kind of go with the flow but we're going to start the flow with we thought it was going to be derrick henry we'll get there but we're going to start with aaron Rodgers saying he was immunized and in hindsight maybe he was non-specific for a reason saying he was immunized but not actually vaccinated against COVID 19 so now he will miss this sunday uh is there is there a, a waiver wire quarterback you take a flyer on um also if anybody's forgotten fantasy pros extraordinaire and tiktok legend why i weren't warmly here so uh we get uh, all the fantasy talk in this one so is, is there a flyer taking on any quarterback to replace rogers need be yeah first of all you buried the lead i did go viral <laughs> on tiktok this week yes i am the same ryan warmly who got eight hundred and eighty-eight thousand views such Book a simple field. video like the beauty was in its simplicity honestly oh yeah it was just it was just delivery it was just a simple like hey you know like here's a, a quick dumb joke that's not even that good and Boom, it, it, it took off. So that you was a fun the one. algorithm, I guess. Yes, fig- figured out <laughs> the algorithm. Um, yeah, I uh, have Aaron Rodgers in a super flex league, and I went and um, Joe, you'll be happy to hear I picked up Mike White. Oh, my because God. <laughs> there is nobody else available at the time. And, and frankly, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because we talked about the Colts, obviously, in that Ravens game. They have a stellar run defense. I am worried about Michael Carter following up his big breakout here on Thursday Night Football. Their pass defense is, is not particularly good and it really hasn't been for most of the season. So I, I don't have a problem with starting Mike White again. I'm not buying into him like season long or certainly anything like that. He's not the future of the franchise over Zach Wilson, even if some of the people in the organization don't want to like say for sure anything could happen. But for this week, I think he's a capable fill in. And I wouldn't if you're in an emergency. I mean, some people have like more more backup options. If you have like like a, a fields on the bench or, or whoever, I, you know, I haven't even really looked at, at the matchups for this week specifically just yet, because this news literally just broke. But if you have a talented person on your bench, you could probably get by. If you ha- need to pick somebody up, I don't hate white. I, I picked up Tua in the one league where I have Rodgers. I was surprised mm-hmm. that Tua was even available. 
Uh, yeah. and, and he's played better recently. Yeah, he last two weeks so bad good. early, but but those last couple of weeks he's looked better. I'm sure to to PJ's excitement. Worm, yeah. if uh, I I don't know if you've talked to your fantasy pros people because the news just dropped, but if you had to guess, would you say more? If you had the choice of three guys, would they rather start Simeon, Mike White, or Jordan Love? Um, can you and just like give me a never second? down to that like you know those can, three but yeah can you just give me a moment pause this broadcast so i can go throw up for a second i mean that is that <laughs> hey, is you know what I'll, ugly. Throw, I'll throw a fourth one in there in case dak is out again throw cooper rush into the mix <laughs> Jeez. i I, w- I would say just like on initial instinct I actually might go love, even though he's not a guy we've obviously seen very much of, if at all, because Rodgers is, has been so good. Um, but the Chiefs' defense is it's so bad, bad, like like yeah. bad, bad, and the Chiefs' offense is good, even with the turnovers. So you would expect that they can at least score enough in the game that the Packers are going to keep having to throw and won't be able to just rush with Aaron Jones for you know thirty-five five attempts or whatever they want to do with him. So. I think love, I mean, love is also a talented guy. I mean, he was a first round pick for a reason. He he has a big arm. They have good receivers there that, you know, uh, MVS is getting healthy again. Um, Lazard and Devonte Adams, I, I believe are, or should be back off of the COVID list for this game. So like, there's no reason why he can't take advantage. I mean, he could throw to Aaron Jones too. So I, of, I mean, again, a lot of ugly names that you just, just listed, but I don't hate love actually as a flyer. Again, if you're in a pinch and there's not any better options available, which hopefully you do have, but if you don't, um, I think love and, and you sort of go into a game. If you're starting Jordan love at quarterback in fantasy expecting to lose. So really it's, it's sort of all gravy either. He has a really nice, awesome surprise performance. And you say, this is so cool. What a genius I am for picking him up. Or you say, listen, I lost Aaron Rodgers on Wednesday. I wasn't going to win this week probably anyways if I was really relying on him. So you just chalk it up to a loss no matter what. And sort of a win-win. Right. You know, Brady's on by, so you just you never know what situations people might be in. So, Worm, Derrick Henry was going to break all kinds of records this season as a fantasy running back. I saw something interesting on Monday Night Countdown. Matthew Barry came on, and he suggested the way you attack it is – Instead of trying to find Henry's replacement at running back, whether that be Adrian Peterson or maybe one of the Eagles guys or the 49ers guys, you pick up Taysom Hill, hope that he becomes good for the Saints, stays healthy, gets you some rushing yards, and then trade your current quarterback for a good running back on another team and attack it that way. Do you like that approach to it, maybe trading other positions and finding good running backs that way? Or with your season probably over now that Henry's gone, do you just try and hope that you find some gold on the waiver wire? I would say I like the strategy of trading from a strength as opposed to trying to go on the waiver wire. And of course, the the answer to every question is it's context dependent. Whatever league you're in will sort of determine what your options are, you know, how big the league is, how competitive it is. Um, But I don't think quarterback is necessarily the right position to do that with because It's pretty rare. I mean, Aaron Rodgers getting COVID aside, it's pretty rare that teams are in need of a quarterback. It's just such a deep position Mm. in fantasy anyways right now that it's hard for me to imagine finding somebody that is so desperate for a quarterback, they're going to give up a quality running back because who has quality running backs to spare? I mean, if you can find somebody in your league that is willing to part with a running back, I, I would definitely support trading, but I just can't imagine a scenario where somebody is so desperate at quarterback and so you know plentiful at running back that they'd be in a position to do that deal. I think you're more likely 
to get a, a deal like that done if you happen to luck into two capable tight ends or if you have a plethora of wide receiver even though receivers also a deep position that just strikes me as a, a place that somebody might be more likely to need an upgrade somewhere than they would at quarterback also just on Taysom Hill I mean it's not even like we're not even 100% sure that he's back and fully healthy yet so it's not like he's a guaranteed QB1 even when he does play like I know he has the rushing upside, which does give you a high floor and a high ceiling. It's it's the cheat code we want in our fantasy quarterbacks, but he's not a very good quarterback. So the Saints, who are, have been surprisingly good this year, you know, I don't know how much leeway they're going to give Hill as the guy rest of season trying to make a playoff push. I don't know what other options they might have, but the ultimate point is that I don't feel confident enough in Hill to, even if I did find a scenario where I can trade my right now starting quarterback for a good running back that I would feel comfortable relying on Taysom Hill as my only QB rest of season. I have Henry on all three of my fantasy teams. Oh, you're done. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh my God. I had I one team with Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry and Cooper cup. And I just sit up with my feet every week and I'm like, well, th this is over. This is, and uh, now I've not, got not so much. I've got Derrick Henry in one league, but of course, as I told you guys, it is a, my most important league. And B, it is a 14-team league with, like, nine-man benches. The league is ginormous, and it's it's in, within Fantasy Pros. It's a work league, so everybody knows fantasy football. So, like, the best names available on the wire are, like, Anthony McFarland. And it's like, listen, he's a Terp. I love the guy. But come on, he's not replacing Derrick Henry. No, I just... Yeah, I, I the only league that I had Derrick Henry in, I also have Dak Prescott and Dalvin Cook, so I will have them hopefully dragging me to the finish line. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got... I got Cortland Sutton there. I have Deontay Johnson. I have Tyler Higby. My flex... I'm sorry, my, my running back now slotting up from flex to my RB2 is Damian Harris. So Damian Harris is my replacement for, for that. And at flex, I'll have to put in, like, Corey Davis or Devontae Smith yeah. and hope they just have good weeks as receivers, non-PPR. So uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't decimate me. I'm five and three and tied for first place. But yeah. like, I was just bossing people before Derek. Well, and it, and it, it really <laughs> makes you like despondent. I mean, PJ, we talked about uh, in the preseason when Gus Edwards and um, uh, Marcus Peters went out on the same day in that Ravens practice out for the season, how some people in the building said it felt like a playoff loss. Losing Derrick Henry from your fantasy team feels like a playoff loss. Oh, it feels like gone. it feels like when it's when he's gone, it's just over. And like obviously, nobody on the team, you, you as a fantasy manager from the fantasy perspective, you're not literally giving up. But it really does feel like kind of what's the point? What's the ceiling here? The Titans are not going to make the Super Bowl without Henry. Your fantasy team is probably not going to win the title without Henry. It just, it feels like a similar feeling to a playoff loss, which is just really depressing. Everything they, they do on offense is built around him running. And now that Everything. that's gone, I just, I'll say this. We're going to find out how good Ryan Tannehill is now mm. for sure. The Titans are going to know what they have because he's been great when the play action and obviously when those linebackers are sucking up trying to get Henry. But now teams know that, the Titans still want to run the ball, but they're obviously going to ask a lot more of him. So we'll find out yeah. how good he is. Everybody said the two biggest pieces to riding Tannehill's breakout when he finally got to Tennessee and got the opportunity, it was Derrick Henry and Arthur Smith. And now both of those guys are gone. Mm. So we really, obviously he's got the two great receivers when healthy and Brown and Julio, like we were talking about, but like, you're right. It will be really interesting to see. Is he truly the franchise guy that he's looked like since about mid 2019 
or was he propped up by a generational running back and a brilliant offensive mind that he now no longer has? And the Titans' next two games, the Rams, the Saints. Have fun, Tannehill. Well, well, I mean, their last couple of games, I mean, beat the the Bills, beat the Chiefs. Uh, This is a ridiculous stretch by them. And right now they have the most wins in the AFC. And they lost to the New York Jets. <laughs> the NFL, well, it's beautiful. The Jets, the Jets, two wins are the two most recent teams to be number one in the AFC. Yep, the absolutely. Bengals and the Titans. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. Football's crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, the big trade we saw at the deadline was Von Miller going to the Rams. Does that put them kind of over the top as the best team in the NFC? It's hard to say because the NFC is so front loaded. I mean, the NFC is what I expected the AFC to be this season, Mm -hmm. which is five or six really, truly elite teams at the top. And then nobody else that can really touch that. And it's been the exact opposite of what I expected. The AFC is a complete mismatch. I mean, obviously the Bills look like the best team in that conference, but beyond them, it's really a toss up. Anybody in any given week, I feel like could look like the next best team in the AFC. The NFC, that upper tier is unbelievable. I mean, the Cardinals, I I don't believe in them, quote unquote, as the last undefeated team in the NFL. I know they were that, but they they didn't feel like the true best team in the league. Nobody was a misnomer. I mean, the Steelers were 11 and 0 last year. Yeah. And and, and I I forget who I saw one of these debate shows uh, one morning a couple weeks ago. Somebody was saying, why don't you have the Cardinals uh, atop your like number one tier in the power rankings? And they were like, ask anybody, anybody at all that follows football who they think is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and nobody was picking the Cardinals. Everybody was saying the Bucks or the Rams or the Packers or the Cowboys, all of whom are very deserving as potential teams that could be there. And, and the Cardinals should be in that conversation. They've earned it. Kyler Murray has looked really good. But that, that's not a team that I see as like this clear juggernaut, and obviously they've now lost the game. Um, I, I do think the Rams are the team to beat. They were – I didn't understand before the season – a lot of people were talking about the NFC West as the best division of football. And that I did understand because it's probably true. I I thought it was either them or the AFC North and and it's probably the NFC West, but I did not understand why people were saying that there was a three team race at the top. Even if Russell Wilson hadn't have gotten hurt, I did not see it as Seahawks and Niners and Rams all equal. I saw it as Rams as the clear number one, maybe not like tiers above, but the clear number one. And then the rest of the teams in that division, and they've only gotten better. Stafford has looked better than I even would have possibly imagined. They obviously have generational players on defense, you know, multiple levels of the defense. They have generational defensive players. Uh, they, they have Sean McVay, obviously, clearly another offensive genius. So, I, I mean, th- I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be the favorites. That's not a lock because there are so many elite teams in the NFC, and they all look like legitimately, legitimately elite. I don't think any of them have fluked into their one loss season so far. It will be interesting to see how the Packers manage without Rodgers for both this week and potentially the week after. Um, and, and when in a race is so tight atop the NFC, you can't afford to, to miss your franchise guy for even one game. Um, but, but that's just a long-winded way of saying, I do think the Rams are the team to beat in the NFL, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, a, a cut above everybody else because the NFC, any of those five teams, the Cowboys, Packers, Cardinals, Rams, and Bucks. Any of those teams uh, has a totally legitimate shot to win that conference, I think. The Chiefs are probably the obvious answer, but you mentioned the Niners because, again, we thought they were going to kind of be in the mix. Who would you say is the most disappointing team? And Again, maybe Chiefs is obvious, but is there another team that's kind of along those lines in your eyes? Yeah, I'd love to say somebody other than the Chiefs, and I will, but just to give it the caveat that it deserves, the answer is the Chiefs because they were clear in the the top obvious one-two of Super Bowl contenders 
along with Tampa Bay and they've been bad. The defense has been horrendous. Patrick Mahomes looks broken, uh, which is weird. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, like how many games or, or really how many years of this level of Mahomes would you theoretically need to see before you no longer took him as he's the obvious, like there's not even a conversation, best quarterback, best guy to build a franchise around. I like, think two. Like, I think it'd be like two years. Yeah, yes, two years. exactly. Cause like Which is, his issue right now, like to your point that he's broken, like I think he's gotten to the point now where he was used to looking over his shoulder because the offensive line was so bad last year that he's trying to escape the pocket and make off script plays, but the on script plays are there. And that's what is setting him back. He's trying to go off script, but the play is actually on script. So when he rolls, right. The, the, you know, the, the left edge that was blocked well by the right tackle now has a free release to get to Mahomes. So like he is shooting himself in the foot. I don't know when their bye week is, but he needs that bye week because I think there's a lot to sit down and kind of look at. And I think they're a team that will be significantly better after the bye week. They'll still make the playoffs. They'll still be a contender. Um, but like that, that's his issue right now. And so many too of the, uh, of the interceptions and I'll let you get back to your point. I just wanted to butt in there, but sure. They pointed out, um, the, the new stat of like turnover worthy plays that they keep track of his turnover worthy plays are way lower than the actual amount of interceptions he has, because how many of them have like come off of Tyreek Hill's hands or off of, J- of Travis helmet. Kelsey's helmet. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like that, it is the, the amount of terrible luck he's had has also contributed, but, but still it's, it's just odd to see. Well, I'm, I'm curious, just sticking on Mahomes here for another second. I saw a stat literally today that he his uh, rate of being blitzed against is actually a full 10% lower than any other quarterback in football right now. So it's a ginormous gap between how teams are defending him and the rest of the league. And, and I hesitate to use the phrase figured out Patrick Mahomes because clearly I don't think that's really an option. But to a degree, yeah. do you think the league and defensive coordinators have figured out that you can have much more success not blitzing him? Because he's so historically good against the blitz. And this is obviously something the Ravens did in week two of this season when they won is completely go against everything Wink Martindale has ever wanted to do. And they've dialed back on, on like, as in pulled back on not blitzing. And they still give up 30-something points, but they, they won the game, which they hadn't done against Mahomes before. And teams, they're not copying the Ravens, but they're copying that blueprint yeah. of not blitzing Mahomes. Does that concern you at all if you are a Chiefs backer? I wouldn't say yet, but again, give it another year or even give it the rest of this year after the bye week. They have adjusted to him, and I don't think he's had a chance yet to adjust to the adjustment. He needs a bye week for that. Um, but he's just so supremely talented that the second he adjusts to that adjustment, um, and he starts instead of trying to make the off script home run play, if he just starts taking the six, seven yards that are there every single play to me, Hardman Hardman on an out route or to Travis Kelsey at a comebacker, instead of trying to just wave Tyreek Hill down the field and throw a bomb. If he starts taking the six, seven, like Tom Brady has done his whole career, then again, it'll open up everything over the top and they'll be fine. And also like Darrell Williams is fine. But I think they do miss CEH and they're getting him back either this week or next. I think they're designated him. They're designated him to return off of IR this week, whether he actually plays or not. It, it might be next week, but that that'll help him out too. Just on CEH, I will say I found him available in one of my leagues recently. That's stupid. And it, it's, a, it's a 12 team league, but somebody was, was, it was during the bye week that, that, that by Mageddon in week seven, they were absolutely desperate. They didn't have IR spots. They had to drop him. So be looking for, for players like that on your waiver wire. Just, just give it a cursory glance. If there's nobody there, fine, but it doesn't hurt to look to answer your original question. Um, I think it's worth mentioning Indianapolis. I, I expected them to compete at the top of the AFC South. 
But to me, if we're not talking about the Chiefs, and again, these are all AFC teams because I expected so much more. I think it's the Browns because mm. they're, I mean, they're, they're 500 right now. It's not like they're terrible, but they're technically in last place in the AFC North. And this was a team that just about everybody was anointing. I know the injuries are a very obvious excuse, but you know what? The Ravens also have a very obvious injury excuse and they are atop the division and small sample size. It's the Ravens have won some close games that obviously could have gone a different way this season. I'm not saying the Ravens are leagues better than the Browns, but just from what you expected going into the season, I think a lot of people said the clear top three in the AFC were chiefs, bills and Browns. And I think that's borne out to be very clearly not true. And frankly, I have no idea what I would do if I was a Browns front office with Baker Mayfield, because he looks when healthy, you know, shoulder injury aside, he looks totally capable of leading an elite offense when he has elite players around him. But if you pay him 40 million a year, are you going to be able to get elite offensive players around him? I don't know that they can. And I, like, that's a conundrum because you don't want to, I mean, you finally have the guy who can be the franchise quarterback in Cleveland. Are you really going to let him walk when not only is he the guy, but He's so beloved by that fan base for his toughness and his brash attitude. I don't know what you do if you're Cleveland, uh, but right now they have been a disappointing team yet again. This feels like the third year in a row. It's been like, is this the year that the Browns are finally like make their statement and they've arrived. And once again, it's there. I mean, again, long season, there's, there's still ways to go. It's a very close division, but they're in last place in their division right now. And this is a team that people looked at as a tier two team in the entire NFL. Last place with a winning record, and they also lost Hunt and Chubb, although Dearness Johnson filled in, and they still won that week. But, uh, but yeah, yeah Odell's probably going to get cut, by the way, it seems like. Yeah, they uh, sent him away from practice just earlier today. Yeah. Like, day after yeah. the trade deadline, they didn't move him, but it seems like, like that, that just doesn't seem reparable to me. Miami, too, I think, is another team you got to Oh, yeah, there. that's a good call. I mean, Great one and seven. Flores, I know Joe and I are really high on him. We thought he's a good coach. And they easily could be 0-8. Damian Harris doesn't fumble. They're, they lose that game. So they've had a tough schedule. I mean, they've played the Bills twice. They've played Tampa twice. But like Jacksonville, Atlanta, you shouldn't lose to. Las Vegas, they lost in overtime. So, uh, you know, Miami should be around a 500 team. Percent played in four games for them. But uh, Dolphins being 1-7 for me. The Chiefs are definitely one. But I think the Dolphins are, are two. Because the defense, nobody saw them being this bad. Um, and then losing all the games that they have to teams that they should have beaten, I, I think, pretty surprised. Maybe you throw the Jets in there. They got two wins against the two one seeds in the AFC, and they <laughs> lost everybody else. <laughs> yeah, but the Jets are coming <laughs> off, you know, not exactly a great year. I think everybody thought the Dolphins – that's a great call, PJ. I think a lot of people thought that they were going to take a step this year, maybe not win the division just because the Bills were in it, but compete and be maybe at some point – so I think some people consider them the clear second best team in the AFC East. Oh, I agree. And yeah, now, now they, they've been one of the five worst teams in all of football. And you're right. They could easily be 0-8. And, and I thought Flores was like this great up-and-coming, one of, one of the, the best young coaches in the league. Like he certainly looked like that last year. And and I don't know if it's a Tua problem or, or a Flores problem or just plain old dumb luck. But yeah, that's a great call. Um, Worm, look, obviously you work for fantasy pros and you cover a bunch of different sports. We know your heart is with baseball, though. We crowned another champion last night in the World he Series. He was a scout, by the way, back in the day. Don't forget he, that. I, you know, I didn't know that, Joe. I'm so glad uh, you brought also, that Also, I injured my shoulder a couple of years back. Did I mention that, too? <laughs> um, so, Worm, real quick, uh, a couple things. I'm always interested in this debate. One, do you consider Ronald Acuna now, when his name comes up, do you consider him to have a World Series ring? And two... How just are you more impressed with what the Braves did or more 
disappointed that the Dodgers and Astros weren't able to win with those rosters that they have? I'll take your second question first. Uh, I don't think those two sentiments are mutually exclusive. I am, I am definitely disappointed in, in the, I wanted to see Astros Dodgers in the world series. Oh, yeah. I know everybody's like, Oh, how can you root for the Astros? There's a bunch of cheaters. Start Joe Kelly all, all seven games. <laughs> exactly. all seven. But first of all, the, there's like four players still on the Astros and I know it's some of their best players, but there's like right. four guys still on the roster from the team that cheated. Second of all, Dusty Baker is just like, how could you not root for him? He's one of the most beloved lifers in baseball history. Like I, I don't feel even one ounce of guilt for rooting for the Astros to make it to the world series. And I wanted to see them against the Dodgers because the Dodgers are probably the most talented team I will ever see in my entire life. It, it is bonkers. I think the fact that they were eliminated from the playoffs and therefore haven't been in the conversation the last couple of weeks, I, I think people are starting to slowly forget how ridiculously stacked this roster was. I, I truly don't think we'll ever see anything like it. It was basically an all-star lineup from top to bottom, um, you know, adding Trey Turner and Scherz in the middle of the season. And this is, you know, crucially, probably the last year that we we're going to see this big core together. They have a ton of free agents this off season. And obviously they're, they're made of money and they're a very brilliant organization. And I'm sure they will be the favorites to win, if not the world series at the very least, the National League West going into next year, once again, and they'll probably will deserve that, but it's not going to look the way it did this year. And to me, that's a shame that we didn't get to see them in the world series again. But at the same time, the Braves, I think that was incredibly impressive. I love seeing a team that they suffer these injuries and they had the off-field issues like with Azuna. And they said, you know what? We might be quote unquote middling compared to the Giants and their record or the Dodgers and their talent, but we're going to go all in here at the trade deadline. And we're going to try to win a division and make a run in the playoffs and get our fans a World Series ring. And they did it. And I think that's really cool because so often in baseball in this era, and I'm a big proponent of this, particularly with the Orioles in that, I don't want to win 86 games. I want to win 96 games. I want to win 106 games. And if the way to get there is to lose 106 games, I don't have a problem with that. But the Braves said, listen, we could go either way again after this devastating Acuna injury. And we're not. We're going to try and go in and win a World Series. And they did. And I think that's unbelievably impressive. The way they won it was very impressive. The teams they knocked out in the process, the way, you know, whether it was comeback wins or dominating wins. I mean, they won in Houston a closeout game for the World Series 7 nothing. I mean, that's this is a team that said, we're going for this. And they got it. And I think that's incredible. I love, actually, though, PJ, your first question on Acuna that's not something that I, I have really considered before. Obviously, he will get a ring and, and, and he will own it. But asking whether or not he deserves it, I think, is really fascinating because I, I think you could make the argument that they don't win the World Series if Acuna is not on their roster early on in the season. He obviously gets them you know, early wins that they needed to be in the position they were in. He helps make other people better just by being as good as he was early on in the year. You know, this is you're talking about one of the five best talents in all of the sport. And, and so I, I, obviously it's very deserving that he will literally own a world series wing, but if you're talking about it in the sense of like, Oh, like, you know, his hall of fame case or whatever, and, and rings aren't as important in baseball as they are in like the NBA, for example. Yeah. But if you're talking about that for Acuna, like I, I can totally see people bringing up like, well, he didn't, is he an October player? Cause he didn't really win that. Can he play in November? I, I wouldn't agree with that just for the record, either, but yeah. I can see why people would make that, but ask that question to me. I, I say, yes, he has a world series ring. He earned it. He put, if he was out the entire year, different story. But but to me, that's a clear like he, I think yeah. he gets it. 
my thing with that is like it's it's not like um look Car- the Carson Wentz Nick Foles thing Carson Wentz for me don't got a ring he played most of that whole year but you don't know how he would have played in that scenario quarterback being the most important position on the field Acuna is one of nine and by putting him in he's not going to make the team worse you can't say that the Braves. You don't know that though. So you, there's no MVP. way. I, I don't think there's Did any you way you Alvarez can say. Going I don't think there's the any series? way you can see say that the Braves would have lost the World Series if Acuna were in there. So for me, he's got a ring. But I I agree with that. But you also have to look at what they had, what they got because they knew he was hurt. They don't get Jock Peterson. They don't get Solaire. And how huge were they for right, them? So they would have gotten one of those two guys instead of both of those guys. And the other one would have been Acuna instead of Peterson. Or the other one would have been – they would have either had Peterson and Acuna or Solaire and Acuna. So they still would have had um, I'm actually more there. I'm more taken aback by your Carson Wentz stance because the, I don't think the Eagles are, are in the position to maybe even make the playoffs that season – Without right. Wentz, he, he, You're he right. got like, them he where was, they needed to was, be he to give Bulls a chance. He was a borderline league MVP that year. Yeah. But b- being that quarterback is the most important position, he could have certainly crumbled under the pressure, fallen flat on his face, thrown two picks, 200 yards, and they lose. Whereas Foles went for, what, 450 and, like, four touchdowns that day. Like, so, mm-hmm. for me, that's a little bit different where, like, it's not quite the same. They built a Foles statue. They didn't build a Wentz statue. Um, but with Acuna being one of nine, where again, even if he would have been like Alvarez and just had a slump of a series, he would have not been the sole reason they lost the series. Like the Alvarez was not the sole reason the Astros lost the series. So for me, I, I would consider him having one. Well, and again, and there's a pretty good chance that Acuna finishes the season as the national league MVP, if he stays healthy all year. So like you don't you don't put your team in a position to even have the chance at a good or bad World Series if you don't play at that level. And he obviously didn't play the entire season, but he played some of it and, and, and he, he contributed kept them, to the He season. kept them afloat such that they were close enough to be buyers at the deadline. And, yeah. and, 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 and to me, no, no World Series ring or Super Bowl ring or NBA championship ring. I guess maybe I shouldn't say NBA because it can be so driven by singular talent, but but these other teams, no individual person is truly the only person that wins the championship it is it is a team effort across the board and to 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 me like the fact that his contribution wasn't what it could have or would have been if he had stayed healthy doesn't mean there wasn't a contribution And, and to me like sure if you're thinking about his his place in baseball's history as an inner circle hall of famer down the line you can say did he ever single-handedly lead a team to the world series no, but how many Hall of Famers really actually did that? To me, it, it's a, it, he gets a ring, and it's not even a, a question. All right. Uh, Swift seven time, Warren, before we get into a trivia question. Uh, Joe, you go ahead. You got the first four, and I'll get five through seven. Got it. Favorite NFL play-by-play guy? I mean, it's, it's just like the local guy, Jerry Sandusky, if we're talking, you know, local. And also, I know this is the Swift seven, and I never, ever keep, keep it short. Um, I, I think Iron Eagle's fantastic of the national guys. A uh, young Orioles prospect, not named Adley Rutschman, you're most excited to see next year. Gunnar Henderson. I think he could be the next like top 25, you know, a- across the league level prospect. All right. We've got two Christmas oriented questions here because it is past November 1st. Uh, number three, your favorite <laughs> Starbucks holiday drink. Uh, I don't drink coffee and therefore I will just say hot chocolate. 
I could have sworn we've made Starbucks runs at NBC together, which is why I uh, asked that question. Maybe, maybe you did the- go and got a hot chocolate, which is totally yes, that, that is that is very likely what I did. But yeah, not coffee. I, yeah. What's coffee going to do for a guy like me? That's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, number four, favorite Christmas movie? Die Hard. <laughs> number five. <laughs> Only you. Was this the last time we will see the Astros in the World Series over the next five years? Great question. I'm going to say no. I think with that, I think they will make one more. Now that Derrick Henry is done, who do you think will finish as the number one fantasy back this season? I'm going to say Austin Eckler. Okay. Mm. Are you more excited for Maryland basketball next week, or are you more sad that baseball season is over? Uh, I would say excited, particularly because this looks like it's going to be a good Maryland basketball team. Oh yeah. If if it was if it was maybe last season when I wasn't as excited going into the year because they didn't look as talented, I would say disappointed about baseball. And by the way, I was expecting a lot more Maryland basketball questions today. I'm very excited to talk Ken Palm with PJ for the we next will, five months. We will. You know <laughs> Why what? get excited? There's we've, we've no reason, it, reason to get excited. We've reached a time of the year though where like guests are hard to come by, and we're lucky that we got you on Wednesday because the rest of your week is loaded. But as yeah. football winds down. And as college basketball heats up, you know you're our first call to come back. Danny, Danny Golden will be making an appearance, too. We're going to have him come on nice. because I value his opinion much more than one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a, just a big Maryland season preview with all the Maryland fans that worked at NBC together. I like it. But once you guys start talking about how great the Big Ten is, then I'm going to butt out. That's, hey, that's tie for the I most leave. teams in the top 25 to start the year. That's all that's, I'm saying. That's when I leave. Yeah. Uh, trivia question, Worm, and I think it's a good one for you. You know the drill, 90 seconds, three strikes. I'm going to make sure you understand the question before I start the clock, okay? So the question for you is, right now in fantasy football, we're talking PPR running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. There's seven teams that have at least two players. There's one that has three players that have either a top 10 running back, wide receiver, or tight end, okay? I need you to tell me the seven teams. I need you to name five where there are two top 10. Either it can be running back receiver, it can be running back tight end, it can be wide receiver tight end, right? So, for example, Carson and Metcalf or Carson and Gerald Everett, Metcalf, Gerald, obviously that's not the example, but all right, you understand it? Yes. All righty. Whenever you are ready, go for it. Um, I'm going to say Vikings. Vikings is incorrect. Dang it. Really? Okay. Uh, what, What format did you say it was? PPR. PPR, okay. Yeah, and okay. Dalvin Cook, if you're thinking that, he missed those couple games, and that was Alex Madison who came in and took the points, yeah. so he's the one who missed I, I, I was thinking between Cook and Jefferson and Thielen catching all the touchdowns, there might be two of them. Um, okay, okay. Uh, see, now I'm trying to think of who's missed games. Um, would the Packers still be on there? Packers are. Okay. Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, that is one. Because yeah, Devontae did obviously miss time, so that's one. Let's go. You got 50 seconds. I think I need to think of the... Oh, well, uh, Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. Hill and Kelsey, okay. too. Um, Ravens. Hollywood. Right. Correct. Hollywood. Mark Andrews. All right, Worm, you got 40 seconds left. You need two more. Bengals. Yes, the Bengals are the one with three. Mixon, Chase, and CJ Uzama is at number Uzama. 10 for the tight end. So you need um, one more. You got two strikes left to work with the bucks good oh. guess the bucks have wow. two top 10 receivers but they don't have one in another position gotcha okay so godwin and evans are top 10 receivers but lenny uh, is like number 12 I think. the chargers 
No, not oh, the Chargers. That was a surprising yeah. strikeout. How is, wow. how is it not wow. the Chargers? Wow. Not the Chargers, Worm. So I don't even one... feel bad about those guesses. <laughs> so Dallas with Zeke, and then the receivers okay. aren't in the top 10. It's Dalton Schultz. Wow. I was, I was about to say Dallas, and I was like, oh, no, wait. Mike Williams has been amazing. It's got to be him. No, see, I thought you weren't going to. I thought you weren't going to say Dallas because remember, like PJ said, Zeke's not a good <laughs> yeah, running Zeke's back. Bad. It would be Tony Pollard. So, well, Zeke's number ten, so he's not exactly been a great during this season. Um, he's only at ten because they already had a bye week, so the other players don't have a game on him. That's true. Atlanta, wow. Patterson, okay. Cordell, and Pitts, and yeah. then Detroit. Swift's been great, and then Hawkins. Swift, Swift has been awesome. Chargers yeah. was a, was a solid guess, but yeah, Mike Williams not in the top ten. I'm I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised by both the Bucks miss because Leonard Fournette has gotten a ton of work in the, in the red zone this He's year. number 12. Yep. I'm, I'm, that and the Chargers. Are the, Vikings, like, yeah, I could see that being wrong with Cook missing time, but that's that was a surprising miss. Wow. Yeah. That's a good All question. Right, we want to end this on our terms, not on Zoom's terms of kicking <laughs> us out. So we appreciate it. As soon as college basketball heats up and you're not too busy doing TikToks and fantasy pros, we'll have you back. I actually have my fantasy basketball draft this week, so I'll be texting Exciting. you both for some input. So. Fantasy college basketball. I don't know if I said college in there, but Thanks for Greg Roman talk yeah. next time. All right. Uh, you, you owe me a little Greg Roman. Yeah, talk. I got you. All right. We'll <laughs> all right see, you, see you guys. See ya. Once again, that was of course, Ryan warmly who has joined us now for, is it a fourth time show? Fifth time? I think it's more than that. It's kind of, I mean, like officially or like the surprises. Oh, that's true. We, well, yeah, I was thinking we, yeah. of surprises too. I think it's the fourth or fifth time, but uh, he is now a fan. This pro's got his fancy equipment now looking official, <laughs> sounding yeah. official. Um, and, you know, I, I thought he had some good advice for uh, for people with fantasy. Obviously, if you Derrick Henry right now. That's just a huge blow to your team. Joe, I have Derrick Henry, you know, on my team along with Chris Carson. And, of course, Carson has been out Oof. like a couple weeks. But because Derek was in there, it didn't look so bad. Well, now that he's out of there, Joe, it doesn't look good. I think I'm yeah. starting Brandon Bolden like Devontae Freeman this week. So they combine for like seven points. I'll be happy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting way to attack Henry. I think, uh, again, what I told Worm and you with uh, Matthew Barry's strategy, maybe trading at another position to help fill that. Um, or something like that along those lines. But unfortunately, if Henry is on your team and you just, unless you have fantastic running back depth, uh, you're likely in trouble probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, there's not really much hope. I, I got lucky in that one league where I do have him because that's a keeper league. Um, and I had Dalvin Cook as my keeper from last year. But like in that league, we don't penalize for keeper, just like a requirement. Everybody keeps a guy at no penalty. Uh, and I happened to draw the number one pick in that league. And whoever had Henry last year also had another stud running back and kept the other guy instead. Um, so I kept Cook and I drew the number one pick. So I had Cook and Henry. So I was like, I could still skate by because I have Dalvin Cook yeah. and I drafted Damian Harris. Um, so I still have that one-two punch at running back with uh, Dak Prescott at quarterback. So I, I will, I will make do, but. It's not the same. I, I was in a position where like getting to the title game was pretty much a foregone conclusion. If Derrick Henry was healthy. Now I'm going to probably have to have something break my way here and there to get there. So still, still in a good spot though, for sure. Real quick. We asked worm, want to get your thoughts. Who do you think the team to beat in the NFC is? We know Buffalo is the team to beat the AFC, but NFC, who do you think it is? I go with the Rams. I mean, that defense is just loaded everywhere. Matthew Stafford is legitimately an MVP candidate. 
We're at the point where Cooper Cup might break the all-time passing receiving yards record, which belongs to Calvin Johnson, whose quarterback was also Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford could be – it's going to be like, you know, Buster Posey just retiring. How many no-hitters and perfect games is he on the end of? Matthew Stafford is going to be the quarterback responsible for the two highest receiving yard totals in NFL history. So he's going to be on that other end of that history there. Um, complete team. They run the ball well. They could, could beat you through the air, obviously, with the weapons they have. Um, it's got to be the Rams for me. But, like, it's it's the, the way the teams kind of contrast with each other. Each team has their own calling card. It, again, wouldn't be surprising to see the, it be the Cowboys or see it be the Packers or see it be – uh, the Cardinals, maybe a little bit less so the Cardinals, because I think um, the Rams end up as the division winner. So the Cardinals will have to go the wild card route. Um, but uh, all those other teams should be division winners, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Rams and uh, the Packers. So honestly, it's anybody's, but I go with the Rams. I agree with you. I think the Rams are the best team. I still think that Tampa is the team to beat, especially when their secondary gets healthy, Gronk and AB get healthy. And remember, the Rams already beat Tampa this year, and the Bucs will not forget that if they meet down the road. So it's going to be tough to beat Brady twice, especially in the postseason. We know that. I agree with you on paper. And right now, I think the Rams are the best team. But come January, I still think I would put my money on Tampa Bay to represent the NFC. Joe, good, uh, not too bad of a slate this week. Great stat last night on the broadcast for Thursday Night Football this is the most Super Bowl matchups we've ever had in a single mm. week. We have five Super Bowl matchups that have previously been played. We have Pittsburgh, Chicago. We have the Rams and the Titans, Green Bay, Kansas City, Carolina, New England, and Dallas and Denver. So pretty cool scheduling nugget there. Pretty cool for the NFL to put all those together with uh, former Super Bowl matchups. Um you know, Green Bay, Kansas City was going to be the marquee game. We still cannot get yeah. Mahomes and Rodgers. Unbelievable. Won't, won't get it. Rams-Titans would have been a great game, too, um, because, obviously, if, if Derek had been playing. Are you more intrigued to see Jordan Love in his first career start, or are you more intrigued to see how Tennessee's offense looks without Derek Henry? I think I'm more intrigued to see Jordan Love because – Aaron Rodgers is done with the Packers at the end of this season. We know that. And I think seeing Jordan Love, even if it's just for one game, um, will give us a glimpse as to what maybe the decision-making process is for the Packers beyond this year. Like, will they ride with Jordan Love? Will they try to get in the mix for Russell Wilson, who also wants out of his situation and uh, had his great year at Wisconsin, so probably would maybe like to go back home, kind of adopted home, of Wisconsin and play for the Packers and steps into a ready-made team and, and they could still be contenders. So we're going to learn a lot about maybe what the future holds for the Packers based on how Jordan Love looks. Um, at the end of the day, like the, the Titans, they got Julio Jones. He hasn't done a ton this year, but they can shift to being more of a passing team. And they still have, you know, they still have McNichols. They brought in AP. We've seen around the league with Dearness Johnson and a bunch of other guys that and we've known this for quite some time that running backs are a dime a dozen. There's no other Derrick Henry. So those are shoes you can't fill. But even if you fill those to 70%, you'll still maybe be able to make do. Um, it's a lot harder to fill in for Aaron Rodgers. Plus with the future aspect of it, I'm, I'm more curious to see Jordan Love for sure. I'm with you. The Packers are a franchise. They're always a step ahead, right? They were a step ahead when Favre was getting ready to head out of town and they had Rodgers waiting. And now they're ready with Love. We've seen Pittsburgh hasn't had a backup strategy yet. New Orleans didn't have one with Breeze. 
So the Packers have been waiting for this moment. They were hoping it didn't have to come this season. But uh, nonetheless, they're going to see what they have against Jordan Love. And if you're a Packers fan, Packers organization, not many better defenses you could be going up against in your first start in Kansas City. They don't really pressure the cornerback. They are one of the worst secondaries in football. They can't stop the run. Um, we saw a lot of Aaron Jones against Arizona with Devontae Adams back. And I expect to see a lot of Aaron Jones again this week, even with Adams back. But obviously, with Love's first start, just helping him with uh, getting the running game going. But I'm fascinated. I think Green Bay is going to keep this game close. I just don't – I don't think they can win it. This guy – this has a Kansas City three, four-point win kind of in my mind. Um, but I do think Green Bay will play him tough. I'm excited to see Love um, – you know, the rookie quarterbacks this season, we were kind of spoiled with Justin Herbert, how he broke onto the scene last year. And I think this year we've seen rookie, rookie quarterbacks make the NFL kind of look as hard as it is. Um, so obviously Love's been in the league a couple of years, but he's never made a career start. So it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating for him. It should, uh, should, be, should be interesting to see what happens. Who do you think needs a win more this week? The Cleveland Browns at the Bengals or the Chargers at the Eagles? Oof. Um, just based on the way the division is in the AFC North, I'd probably have to say the Browns because everybody else there is winning and they're playing against a team in division. Chargers, it's not a divisional game. The Chiefs are struggling. The Raiders, Again, I, we're kind of waiting for them to fall off. The Broncos aren't good, so they could probably afford that loss, the Chargers, if they were to lose. Uh, the Browns can't afford it. it just, they just can't anymore. The way that division is, it's the best division, not the best division in football, in my opinion. I think that still is the NFC West in terms of the talent and overall abilities of all the teams. But I think it's going to be the toughest division down the stretch because all those teams are just kind of grinded out teams and – the so far all those teams have winning records the Niners at the moment don't um so they they have to win to keep pace there it's the most unpredictable I agree with you all yeah, four of yeah. those teams you could make a case today for Pittsburgh Baltimore Cincinnati or Cleveland to win the division and I think you have an argument with the, all of them the west I agree with you top to bottom all those teams um especially the top of that division the Rams and Cardinals are just really really good uh and one of them will win it but the AFC North, I mean, it's anybody's for the taking. I would agree. Big game for Cleveland this week. Anything more about the uh, NFL? Any any games that catch your eye this week? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fine slate. You mentioned the kind of the big ones. But, uh, I mean, Miami-Houston, oh, God. That game is going to be atrocious. Man. And two is leaning towards playing, it seems like. I didn't even realize that he picked up another injury. Um, poor kid, man, just can't stay healthy at all. Um, and Tyrod's back for Houston, which makes this matchup. Yeah. Uh, Houston money line might might be uh, might be on the docket this week. Yeah, it's that sucks. I mean, <laughs> it's it's terrible. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see if I got anything else. Uh, more likely to pull an upset. Last one before we get to college football: Denver at Dallas this week, or Jacksonville at Buffalo? Oh, oh. Neither Denver at Dallas. There's yeah. no way Jacksonville beats Buffalo, and and I there's very little chance Denver beats Dallas. But just because there's literally zero chance that Jacksonville. Right. Beats I Buffalo. mean, if da- you know Dak could re-injure something, and then who knows? So I would I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think both of those are safe bets to um to take. 
Joe, college football and, uh, man, the playoff committee did not make many friends with much of the country. Putting my bias aside, I actually, if I didn't go to Bama and I looked at the rankings, I truly think they did a great job because they weren't forecasting into the future. They're telling you right now what each team is slated. And everybody's freaking out that Bama's number two. Look, Bama could be number nine. If they win out, they're going to the playoffs. So I think everybody getting upset about that doesn't matter. Michigan State, you could have made the argument they should be two because they're undefeated. They have a great win now against Michigan. But three, they're solid. I like Oregon over Ohio State, even though I think most people would agree Ohio State's the better team. Oregon beat them in Columbus. That has to matter. Um, And then there's Cincinnati there at six. Me and you have always said for three, four weeks now, they're going to need help. And that's the reality of it. So everybody's freaking out. It's still BS. There's no way they should be six. I mean, the the way the rest of the the committee filled out the rest of this, I could see putting them at six if Wisconsin and Notre Dame were lower than they are. But Cincinnati's undefeated with wins over number 10 and number 21. If they would have had Notre Dame lower and Wisconsin outside the top 25, different story. But Well, Cincinnati didn't beat Wisconsin. Notre Dame beat Wisconsin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. They beat Notre so Dame who beat Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah so like they – so their Notre Dame win looks really good sure. because Notre Dame also beat Wisconsin. Right. Um, uh, thank you for that. I, I knew that what I was trying good. to say and didn't get it out. Um, <laughs> I knew where you were going. So yeah, yeah. So so they have that, and they're That's at another six. part of it, too. I, I Notre mean, Dame's losses. They've lost to number six Cincinnati. They've lost to number seven Michigan, and they've lost to – or excuse me, they've lost to Cincinnati. They've lost to – There's one loss. Wisconsin has lost to Notre Dame and Michigan. Yes, yes. We're, we're getting lost in the Wisconsin here. <laughs> we are getting lost. That's exactly right. Um, um, so, yeah, I would agree. Oklahoma at eight was was a bit of a shocker. Yeah, I mean, look, look, but but look, okay, Oregon, their loss is terrible against Stanford, but they beat Ohio State, and Ohio State's loss is to Oregon. I think what they should have just done was put Cincinnati at four, Ohio, um, Oregon at four, five because they beat Ohio state and then Ohio state at six, knowing that Oregon and Ohio state could still climb based on maybe winning the pac 12 based That's on winning fair. the big 10. I think Cincinnati deserved to be in it at four for now. Um, the good news again for Cincinnati is that Michigan state and Ohio state will cancel each other out. Everybody and their mother thinks that Oregon is going to lose at some point And they probably will. Um, I think it could be this week. It could very well be this week. So you look at that right there. All right, Ohio State beats Michigan State, Oregon loses. Now you have Ohio State at three and Cincinnati at four. So they're still right there. But I uh, just think Cincinnati should have been in already. Again, you beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame has beaten Wisconsin. Wisconsin's only losses, like you said, are against Notre Dame, Michigan, and um, who's the third one? They lost that's to, what we were trying to figure out. Penn State. Penn State. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So they're, they're at 21 for a reason. So I think you could have had Cincinnati in there. But I really – was interested by looking down here at some of the other possibilities. So you got Oklahoma at eight. You've got Oklahoma State with one loss. You've got Baylor with one loss. Baylor's one loss was to Oklahoma State, and Baylor still plays Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State still plays Oklahoma. So you could get to a point if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma and Baylor wins out, you're going to have Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. So if Baylor runs the table and beats Oklahoma State in the title game, you have a one-loss Baylor team that avenged their only loss by beating Oklahoma State in the title game. So Baylor at 12 is a team for me that still has some life. Um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, again, 
those teams you have to think about still. I, I don't see Wake Forest running the table. Seeing them at nine was a very odd sight to see. Not a team you usually think of like that. Um, yep. But yeah, this this will play itself out again because so many of these teams still have to play each other. Three, five, seven, all got to play each other in some capacity. Uh, that's that's Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. And you have eight, 11, 12 in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor got to play each other. So we're going to figure it out, but it's still still Cincinnati not being in the top four blew my mind. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I could see them, you putting Cincinnati four, Oregon, Oregon State, five, six. But it's another thing we talked about, too. If you put Cincinnati in the playoffs in the initial ranking and they go unbeaten and Notre Dame finishes out the season one loss, committee really has no choice but to keep them in there. So I think this ranking was a lot about giving themselves room to do things, letting the action unfold for themselves. Wake Forest is an interesting team because a lot of people assume that if they do go undefeated, that they won't get in. And Clemson has played the same schedule that Wake Forest has been playing the last two years. But because they're Clemson, because of all the talent that they have, because of their preseason ranking, uh, you know, Clemson would automatically just get in if they ran the table. And I get those Clemson teams were a lot better than Wake, but I just think it's unfair to a Wake Forest team who's in the Power Five that if they go undefeated, I mean, they should get some consideration. Even though I don't think they're one of the four best teams in the country, they go undefeated in the ACC. Just the fact that people are like, nah, they, they have no shot. I think that's, uh, that's a little wrong. But we'll see what happens. I agree with you. I think they're going to lose. At some point, very well could be this week. They're underdogs to North Carolina. Very intriguing games. Michigan State's only a three-point favorite at Purdue. Um, you have uh, you have Wake Forest in North Carolina. You have Oregon at Washington. Um, Cincinnati plays Tulsa this week. You know, game day is going to be there. Tulsa's covered ten straight games against ranked opponents. So you just never know how Cincinnati will look with just all this pressure and everything surrounding them. But uh, it's quite interesting. You know, Bama, Georgia, I think they want to keep one, too. I think they want the SEC championship to be that just for ratings and yeah. money-wise and everything. Yeah, like, you know, that's an aspect of it. That's always going to be an aspect of it. Of course. But, um, it, again, it's fine to do that at one, two, and I guess you can do that at at three, five, knowing that Michigan state and Ohio state have to play each other. Maybe like you said, and like we said, maybe Oregon's losses already this week. So maybe when Michigan state and Ohio state play each other, it's, it's three versus four and Georgia, Alabama's one versus two. So it, it has a way of playing it. And look, out. Michigan isn't out of it either. Um, they, they have to win out. Obviously they have to be Penn state and Ohio state. They need Michigan state to lose to Ohio state and Penn state. But if the Wolverines get into the big 10 title game, a couple of things happen around them. They, they still have a shot, too. So we will see what happens. Pretty amazing, though. Michigan State, 8-0, uh, the way they have looked. The rankings, though, they were definitely a shocker this past week. Oh, yeah. Ruffled, yeah, ruffled a lot that, of feathers. I think game day is at Cincinnati this week. They are, yeah. So those fans are going to be – the fans are going to be something. And they left SMU out of it, too. Um, rightfully so. I don't believe that SMU necessarily deserved to be in the top 25. But that's one thing that kind of goes against – Cincinnati then as well uh, one of the teams they thought they would have been able to beat down the stretch that had a top 25 ranking does not so yeah I was just looking at the rest of the slate here this week um, I mean the marquee game is Auburn and Texas A&M 
Joe, you know, be an interesting scenario is if Bama loses to Auburn in the Iron Bowl, still gets into the SEC championship game, and they beat Georgia. They have any shot? Ooh, it, it, it's going to depend on the rest. That even if that happens. I don't think they'll put a two-loss Bama team in just because there could be multiple other undefeated or one-loss teams. Because if that, all right, if that happens, if that's Georgia's only loss, if you know whether whether Ohio State or Michigan State or Michigan are a one-loss or undefeated in Michigan State's case, Big Ten champion. Um, if Cincy's undefeated, if Oklahoma's undefeated, if um, you know, if Oregon runs a table, that right there gives you Georgia and then one, two, three conference champions with one loss and an undefeated Cincinnati team. That's five. And yeah. then there's Bama. So they need some help. It, 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 it would leave the door open to the committee trying to put Bama in, Bama again being the marquee team every year. Uh, but they would turn into a team that needs a lot of help, a lot of help, because there's no, there's no rationale. Um, it would be an absolute farce if a Bama two losses got in over the one loss Georgia team they beat, three one loss conference champions, and an undefeated Cincinnati. That would be terrible. Mm, I would agree. Um, again, I, I think they very well could lose to Auburn. Part of me though is like this There's thirty point like, favorites against LSU this week, by the way, which I would I did a double take at. I mean, I can't believe that. Bama was favored by 25 at home against Tennessee, and they're favored by 30 against LSU. That tells Crazy. you um, what LSU has turned into here the last couple of years. All right, Joe, uh, last thing before we get into best bets and trivia, World Series. How about we had John Boy on last week, and he told us that his buddy Trevor <laughs> Plouffe had the Braves over the Astros in six games at the beginning of the year, and sure enough, the Braves beat the Astros – in six games do you think freddie freeman stays in atlanta brave this upcoming season i don't know i mean that's a tough one it's one of those where like he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish right he got the world series maybe this is a good way for him to kind of end it but also like depending on how the money shakes out uh the guy has literally been in the braves organization his whole career every step of the way the minors i mean he is a braves lifer Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the trade-off is. What What is the line of demarcation on the money uh, that another team could give him versus what the Braves would give him that would make him take a hometown discount? Um, if I were him, like, the dude's probably set for life anyway. So if we're talking a difference of $10 million to go play for the Giants or stay with the Braves, uh, the Giants come to mind just because I know they have a lot of free agents, so they're going to have a lot of money available. Um and, and they went that route the last couple of years with Longoria and all these guys, they've signed those veterans. Um, stay with Atlanta, man. Like you're going to go, they're going to build a statue for you. You won your world series. You've been there your whole life. Your family's grown up there. Um, again, I, I don't want to count the guy's pocket here, like, but the guy's made a lot of money. I'm, I'm, I'm you hope he's not blown at all. Um, just stay. <laughs> and I hate the Braves. They're a division rival for me. Freddie Freeman has killed the Mets his whole career. But, like, I hope he stays. He's just one of those guys where I can't picture him in another ball sure. cap. I don't really want to. So I agree. He is, uh, he is Mr. Atlanta. I hope he stays, too. If he does leave, I hope he goes to the Angels so that Mike Trout just get him, oh, as, much, just get him as much help as possible so he can get him into the postseason. But pretty amazing by the Braves. 
worst record of any postseason team heading into the playoffs. And, you know, just shows you get hot at the right time. They were missing Acuna. They were missing Soroka. It didn't stop them. Charlie Morton broke his leg in the World Series, and they just kept on pushing. So good for the Braves, Joe. We've seen that some of these sports towns are starting to break curses here over the last five years. D.C., Houston got over the hump, now Atlanta. So, uh, you know, New York is is getting a little cursed, Joe, yeah. for, for their standards, for all the teams they got. So yeah, maybe no, you got one on the horizon for you. The whole, uh, um, the whole NL East since the turn of the millennium has won a World Series, except for the Mets. Mm. God bless you. God <laughs> bless you. All right, Joe, best bets time. Uh, you are 24 and 21 with 74 points. I am 25 and 20 with 80 points. I hit all my top three last week, so that was good for me. That's I didn't have a great game. week last week. Uh, Not a great week last week. Yeah, you went two and three last week. The Michigan I lost my game. I lost my big point ones. Big point, yeah. Big point ones. Um, all right, Joe. So your number five this week is who? I there's a lot of game. Again, it's another week where I had like a long list, and I had to kind of try to whittle it down as I went along. Um, so number five for me. And, and I put it at number five just because Purdue's been such a funky team. They, they went on the road and beat Iowa. Then they had a bad loss at home. But Michigan State is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Purdue. There could be a bit of a letdown coming off the Michigan game. But I think they see the three next to their name now. And it, some way, shape, or form, they grind it out. They're a really good run in the ball. They're really strong defensively. I think they can go into Purdue and win by a field goal. So I'll take Michigan State minus a two-and-a-half. And, again, I make it five just because it's an online. And Purdue has been funky this year. But – on paper, Michigan State is, is the much better team, so I'll take it. I've bet against Michigan State way too many times this year, and they've cost me, me a lot of money. So, me too. I, so now that I pick them, so, so now that I pick them, they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose. That's how that works. My number five, Joe. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons plus six and a half against the Saints. I think it's a good letdown spot for the Saints coming off a great win against the Bucks. We'll see who starts a quarterback, whether it's Simeon or Taysom Hill. It seems like it's going to be Taysom Hill. Atlanta just seems to oh, always... They said Simeon today. They said Simeon, oh, and it's going to be Simeon Taysom today? Hill coming in for gadget plays, yeah. So, uh, so Simeon will start. I like Atlanta, though. I just, you know, a division dog going on the road. They always play him tough. Atlanta was down uh, in Tampa Bay by three with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter before Matt Ryan threw a couple pick sixes. If Ryan can avoid the disastrous turnover and Atlanta can just keep it close within striking distance, I, I really like them in this game. They're a terrible home team. They're a solid road team, um, especially in a spot like this. New Orleans has already lost at home this season to the Giants, who they were favored over by seven and a half. So they struggle sometimes covering some, some decent-sized numbers at home. I think off the Jameis injury and that big emotional win, they could be due for a letdown. I like the Falcons plus six and a half. That's actually my pick for number four. So you can move <laughs> on to your next one. I got the same one there. <laughs> there you go. Um, my number four is the Tennessee Volunteers money line against Kentucky. Ooh. More than anything, it's just, right. a it's just a stinky spread. Uh, Kentucky is at home. They're really good at home. And somehow Tennessee has favored. Kentucky opened as a three-point favorite, and now Tennessee is favored by one. So I'm just following the money. I'm going with the Volunteers. They've been a lot better since Hayden Hooker has been the quarterback. Kentucky just had a bad loss at Mississippi State last week. I think 
Mississippi State expose some things against Kentucky, how you can stop them. Tennessee's defense has been playing pretty good. And as I mentioned, with Hooker as their quarterback, they can put up some points. I like the volunteers here to, uh, to keep it rolling and get the win on the road to Kentucky. All right. I'm going to the NFL. Um, we talked about it before uh, between the, the Browns, Bengals, Chargers, Eagles, kind of which team needed that game more. I said the, the, the Browns needed it more, and I think the Browns come to play. I also think the Chargers come to play. The Eagles, I think it's a recency bias thing just because of how badly they beat the Lions. But the Chargers are much better than one and a half points better than the Eagles. Um, and it is a big game for the Chargers as well. I think they come in and, and kind of remind everybody that the Eagles are not that good. And they played the Lions last week. And that was the reason for the score that we saw. So uh, give me the Eagles. I'm sorry, the uh, Chargers minus one and a half coming across country uh, to, to win that game. And it's actually really odd. Um, you know, you, we usually obviously see it as a struggle sometimes coming west to east. That one o'clock kickoff, it's a four o'clock kickoff. So that actually really helps out the Chargers. It doesn't actually mess with their bodily clock as much. It, very odd East Coast Philadelphia Good four point. o'clock game. So that is big for the Chargers as well. Good point. CBS calling the game too. So Chargers mm-hmm. have familiarity with broadcasts. But the, uh, <laughs> the time is a good point. Number three, Joe, it's funny. You just mentioned it. I'm taking the other side of oh, uh, the games you were mentioning. I'm taking Cleveland plus two and a half against Cincinnati. Cleveland has to win this game. Um, there's just no way around it. The big reason I like it, though, is because Cincinnati is 2-0 and in this division. They've beaten the Ravens on the road. They've beaten the Steelers on the road. It's tough to go 3-0 and in the AFC North. I think this is where it catches up with them. Odell's finally out. I think it's going to be a big help to get him the distraction away. Cleveland was terrible last week at home against Pittsburgh. I think coming off a home loss, going on the road, against the Cincinnati team, you just don't know how their psyche is going to be after that Jets loss. Something like that happens, and, you know, and when Zach Taylor is your head coach, I just – I don't trust them in these in these kind of spots, how Cincinnati will respond. I like Cleveland plus two and a half. All right, so the last time the Raiders were involved in, like, just bad off-the-field things, when Gruden got fired, they came out and had a big win. This week has been a terrible week for them. Henry Ruggs, what are you doing, man? Terrible, terrible from him. Um, heart goes out to, to the girl that died. Um, mm-hmm. Just 156. I mean, what are you doing? But, um, and I, I feel bad picking this, but like the Raiders, they responded well to the off-field stuff last time. Um, I, I feel like the number is only at three because of the off-field stuff this time. The Giants are not a good football team. The Giants have COVID issues. Saquon Barkley in the protocol, along with a couple of other guys. So I like the, the Raiders to cover three on the road against the Giants again in the face of all the things going on off the field that they, they navigated last time, they navigate this time. But again, just Henry Ruggs, man, come on. And, and if you remember back to like when he was coming out, um, that whole like kind of heartwarming story of, of how he kind of persevered after he lost his best friend to a mm. car accident in 2017, and now you go and do this, just bad, just bad all around. Really bad. Uh, I echo everything you said. I like the pick. Um, you know, the Raiders now have kind of had that attitude of, like, us against the world. So, mm. off of bye week, we'll see if that can continue. My number two was a team that you talked about when we were going through the college football playoff rankings, um, Baylor. But I like the other side. I like TCU plus seven right. this week. I actually think TCU gets the outright win. 
couple reasons I like it. First off, Gary Patterson got fired this week from TCU just after 20 years, and they kicked him out the door like that. So I think the players are going to play for their coach, play for each other, and the ultimate look-ahead spot. Baylor is Oklahoma next week. They just had a nice win against Texas, and you got TCU just fired their coach who's not playing well on the road. I think it's a great, great spot for TCU to pull the upset. The fact that you get it at seven at that nice key number, I think is even better. I like the Horn Frogs uh, plus seven. I also like them on the money line too. You went with a hold your nose special last week with the Jets. I'm doing it this week with Tyrod Taylor starting at quarterback <laughs> and no certainty around Tua could be Brissett, could be a partially injured Tua. I'm taking the Texans plus five and a half against the Dolphins. Um, don't like it. It's stinky, but you know what? I think it's going to hit. So give me that at number one. <laughs> oh, you want to hear it? Number one. I don't like it, but I think it's going to hit. And, you know, and, and like, and, and my rationale for putting it at number one is because last week I was so confident in Michigan and they lost. I figure this week I'll turn my tide. I'll go with the one that I'm not really loving. And I'll put that at number one and hope it uh, kind of reverses things. <laughs> I like it. My number one is the San Francisco 49ers minus two against the Cardinals this week. Uh, this is revenge time. San Francisco's already lost to them. They got George Kittle back. Kyler Murray's banged up. And whenever Murray is injured, it just always affects the Cardinals offense. DeAndre Hopkins is hurt also. Cardinals are just not the same team. J.J. Watts injured. Um, he's out for the season. San Francisco, when they played Arizona the first time with Trey Lance, they deserved to win the game. Lance got stuffed at the goal line, and San Francisco just couldn't get over the finish line. But Arizona was favored by two and a half to start the week. Now that line has swung all the way over to San Francisco minus two. I think Vegas is telling you something. I back San Francisco minus two at home this week. That is my best bet of the week. All right. Love it. Oh, and I texted last night you and, and Worm. Um, that I would mention it here today, you know, for every five bad beats, you get a terrific win that kind of keeps you coming back. Um, so now you're a part of the FanDuel family because you live in Virginia. So you yeah. might have seen that once a week, um, you're allowed to do a $10 risk-free uh, same game for life at the NFL. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, you bet 10, if you lose it, you get $10 back in site credit, but then you just take that 10 and you put it on a lock of a game like Bama money line against LSU. And right. it just, you win 30 cents, but it reconverts it from a site bonus back to your $10 cash. So, you know, it's, it's worth it. Every week you do it once a week. It's risk-free. It's in the name. Um, every week I do it with the Jets because it's, you know, I, I know all the teams. I know all the games, but I still know the Jets a notch higher than everybody else. It's my team. Um, so last night, uh, I, it was five legs. Um, the first two were easy. You know, it was Colts minus four and a half. That was never in question. It was Carson Wentz over 225 passing yards. That was never a question. The other three, PJ, when I tell you that for every five bad beats, you get a lucky win, this was that one for me. Um, it was 12 to one odds with the five legs involved. I put 10 bucks on it. Um, it was Mike White under 250 passing yards. I had and that, that only hit because he got hurt. Because yes. Josh Johnson... Josh Johnson came in and threw for 320 Correct. on top of the 100 that Mike White already had. So that only happened because he was hurt. Otherwise, he would have almost doubled that total. Yep. Second one, Mo Ali Cox, over 25 receiving yards. He had one catch on one target 
for 28 yards in the fourth quarter. Amazing. And the final leg was Michael Carter under 49 and a half yards. PJ, he had 49. So, oh my God. so yesterday was one of those wins, and and I'm now due for five bad. Well done, row, Joe. But I got that one yesterday. You know, so. it's funny you say that. You and I have had good luck with the Colts this year. When they played San Francisco on Sunday night, I was driving back home from Maryland where I couldn't bet, and I come home to my new place in Virginia, and ten minutes till kickoff, and one of my roommates said, "Hey, who do you like uh, in your same game parlay?" We, me and him always put together anytime touchdown scores. We pick like three or four guys and just put in like a two, $3 parlay. So I'm like, you know, I haven't even looked at it. So I sit down, throw together a $2 parlay of Carson Wentz rushing touchdown, Mo Alley Cox receiving touchdown, Jonathan Taylor rushing touchdown. I won $256 <laughs> on that parlay. And I was like, oh my God. So the Colts have been kind to, uh, the both of us but nice. that is crazy story <laughs> very cool um all right joe so oh and real real quick eternals at a 10 rank one out of 10 i know you saw it yesterday if you had to put it on the scale what would you rank it um i'd probably put it at like a 6.57 what i had texted you yesterday um was that if it were a half an hour shorter it would probably be better i but but when you see it and when any listeners see it you try to figure out which half hour to cut. It, it was all necessary because there's so many characters and so much backstory. Yeah. Um, I think you had to keep it all in. I really enjoyed the characters, really enjoyed the story. Uh, I think it's like, if you think back to Thor, the dark world and Avengers age of Ultron, those movies weren't received well initially, but over time they aged really well because they were important and you certain things started to have more meaning. Um, I think that's what we're going to see with the Eternals. It was just so different from anything Marvel's ever mm. done. Uh, and it was it was still really good. Could have been a little shorter. It was fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is among the lower Marvel movies. But the audience score is like eighty six. So again, the difference between like how you view it as a fan and 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 just as a moviegoer versus from a critic's eye. From a critic's eye, I see how it gets a fifty percent, um, and I see that cutting it by a half an hour might have improved it. But in the grand scheme of things, it was it was it was very good. And the, the two post credit scenes uh, can go a lot of ways too. So very good. You'll enjoy Very it. good. All right, Joe Trivia, you are up by two, 26 to 24. I can give you my question first. I think it's a pretty right. good one for you. Um, all right, your question. So right now there are seven job openings in college football. I want you to name me five of them. Seven job openings. Yes. And we're talking um, – we're talking power five or just like, or, or overall. Five of them are power five. And then the other two are not. One of the schools is a power, is in a power five conference in other sports, but not in football. And then the other okay. one is group of five. Okay. Got it. Got Sorry. it. Um, so first and foremost, TCU, that just happened. Correct. And then Washington State, because you wouldn't get the shot. Those are nope. two easy ones. Now what? Um, has anybody gotten fired in the Big Ten this year? I believe the answer to that question is no. Uh, yeah, I think that answer is no. Um, anybody else in the Big 12 besides TCU? No. Texas Tech? Texas Tech? Well done. Yes. Three. 
Yes. All right. Um, I couldn't even tell you that coach's name, but I remember seeing a couple of weeks ago that he got fired. Matt Lowe. Um, yep. He got <laughs> That's got to be it for the Big 12. There's no more than two. Um, Pac 12. Oh, USC. Duh. Four. Um, that's got to be it still in the Pac 12. There can't be more than two there either. Did, did Arizona? Mm-mm. They fired him before the season. One strike. Or they haven't fired him yet at all. Um, haven't fired yet. Wow, he's going to get fired soon, though. <laughs> uh, so I've gotten four, and all, all four were power five. So there's still one more power five left. 20 seconds left. And one that's power five in other sports. I'm not getting that one. Um, 10 seconds. Ah. Five. Yeah. I don't know. Vanderbilt? No, you're in the right oh. conference. You're going to kick yourself. Who is it? I'm kicking myself. Who am I going to kick myself for? Go Tigers. Oh, no, wait. He doesn't count yet. He didn't get fired. Does he? It's a job opening. He's gone after this year. Oh, oh. I thought you meant like presently the job was open. Because I would have said LSU if that were the case because I know he's gone. I see. I see the mix up. I All thought right. you meant. I thought you meant presently coach got fired, job was open. Otherwise, that would have been the first one that I said. Gotcha. All right, I'll give it to you. I can see the confusion. Okay. That's right. fair. Appreciate um, it. The other two were, uh, were UConn. They oh, were the God. one that's not. <laughs> Randy Etzel. And then uh, I don't know if you maybe saw it on like the ticker and on ESPN or something, but Akron is the other one that just happened recently. Oh, that did just happen. I did and then another that. one too, which actually just got filled verbal agreement was Georgia Southern by Clay Helton. Gone yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So, uh, so yeah. So LSU, right. I can see, I can see the confusion. That's fair. So you're up to 27 now. All right. Uh, I like my question for you. Um, Adrian Peterson side with the Titans. He's an old man. He's 36. Still doesn't even crack some like the top oldest players in the league. So I want you to give me four of the five oldest players to have taken a snap in the NFL this season. Oh my goodness. You don't have to give me their age, just four of the five yeah. oldest guys. I'll go Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth is two. Man, it's gotta be kickers and punters and how old is Thomas Morstead? I'll go Thomas Morstead. Thomas Morstead does not crack it. Man. Kickers, I mean, Robbie Gold has taken a snap this season. I don't think Josh McCann has taken a snap. Um, other O lineman, D lineman. Uh, man, I also missed the button on my phone to set the timer so. Oh. It didn't start. Yeah. So can you would you be able to tell <laughs> so keep me keep it within reason? <laughs> would you be able to tell me how many kickers or punters? I'll tell you that. On the list there is uh one punter. Oh. Is it Sam Cook? Uh man, I just I, I thought you were gonna get this one. I I really did. Yeah, Whitworth was the first one that came to my mind. I mean, I'm sure there's a quarterback oh ben big ben yeah uh there's two for you with one strike yeah i probably got like 30 seconds left no Roughly, more yeah four more rivers or breeze i looked rogers? down before to see rogers? rogers is not it wow you you this was bad pj 
That's three yeah. strikes. Um, was that three that's even worse than me. Two? No, yeah, that's probably. three. Yeah. yeah, you missed. I I missed the button, and I was afraid that would come into haunt us, and it didn't matter because you struck yeah. out. Um, the oldest player in the NFL is Tom Brady. Oh my! Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even. It's it's not even close. Tom Brady is one thousand. He is one thousand five hundred and ninety three days older than Whitworth. It's not even close. Never heard of that guy, honestly. <laughs> Um, Brady. Yeah, that's, Whitworth you got. That's real if you bad. got if you got with Whitworth, I thought you'd get the other old offensive lineman and Jason Peters. Um, you got yeah, he Ben. Was not, he was not in my head. Yeah, you got Ben, and then the punter, which is why I said four out of the five. I thought you'd get the two O linemen, the two quarterbacks. But if you pulled this guy, good on you. Andy Lee, punter for the Cardinals, is number five. So. Oh, Brady. Oh, my Sam God. Cook, you mentioned uh, briefly. Yeah. He was number six. He would have been on the outside looking in just barely. How old is Cook? Cook is 39. Wow. Um, my God. And seven would have been Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tom Brady, that is so yeah. bad. That so, yeah, out of the top so seven, you, you, you said it's got to be kickers or punters. You had two, you had two, and you actually had three quarterbacks. So, quarterbacks dominated it. I can't believe I didn't think Brady. The fact that he didn't even like remotely come through my I know. That's unbelievable. I see, I just don't think of him as like, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Just never crossed my mind. Wow. Well done. All right. You got me. You're up by three now, 27 to 24. Thanks again to Worm for joining us, Joe. Next time we are on the podcast, college basketball will have begun. Oh, yes. Real basketball will have a lean for. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. Do you, do you have a lead? Haven't looked into it much yet. That is that is a weekend thing for me. I know I'll be betting so. Kentucky. And, man, Kansas, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Not All right. Solid basketball. All right, Joe, good stuff. We'll see you next week. See you next week.